Welcome into the Get Out of Porn podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. As I mentioned, what would be now last week, but um, as I was as I am recording this consecutively, uh, I am losing my voice. I am uh, getting sick, unfortunately, or maybe coming through the sickness. Either way, um, I, I apologize to listeners, but bear with me in case my voice cracks or something. But um, <clears throat> we are going to trudge through this and uh, try to get to what I consider to be a maybe one of the most exciting episodes up to this point of the 11 that that we're now on. Um, I'm excited about this episode because internal family systems fascinates me. It's something that was developed in the 80s by Dr. Richard Schwartz. He is, I believe he's a doctor. Um, yeah, Richard Schwartz, but No Bad Parts is kind of his key book. And if you are interested in it, please reach out to me, um, buy that book, look up Richard Schwartz, IFS, Internal Family Systems, if you're interested in it. He's got some symposiums um, online that you can watch on YouTube, people doing breakdowns. It's fascinating. But we talked about the negative emotional experiences in the last episode and how the those experiences and, and, and the traumas that we've been through create core negative beliefs and they create emotions that trigger us down the line that we end up depending on how often you're acting out you end up getting triggered quite a bit internal family systems is a great way to identify the parts that are getting most upset and the parts that are getting activated internally for you so in classic ifs there are three parts kind of surrounding the self um there's the managers the firefighters the exiles the self is the part that we want to stay in, the part that we want to work on the most, and that's made up, that's that's kind of the core or the center of the person. And when, what we'd say is differentiated in his terms, Richard Schwartz's terms, um, I believe he is Dr. Schwartz, uh, when differentiated, it acts as an active, compassionate leader to the body. And so there's eight C's, C words, calmness, curiosity, compassion, connectedness, confidence, creativity, courage, and clarity. And those are the parts of us that we want to remain in charge and leading the the way. However, when we go through traumas, when we go through difficult things, we end up creating what we would call exiles, which these hold painful emotions that have been isolated from the conscious self for protection of the system or for the part safety, the different parts of you, their safety. They become increasingly extreme in an effort to be cared for and share their story. They carry burdens from being wounded. So, in exile might be fear. It might be shame. It might be grief or loss or loneliness. It might be rage. Might be loneliness, right? As we talked about, is, is going to be a key one. But a lot of the things that come along with loneliness, it might be sadness. It might be rejection, Those are the things we don't want to feel. They're exiled. We push them out of the system because if we felt rejected, that in some way would cause us to feel less than and cause us to feel like we're not worthy of love. So instead of sitting in our rejection, feeling like we're, or sitting in our loneliness or our shame and working through that, we would rather run to our addiction. The addiction is what we would call a firefighter. Firefighters, they protect the system, but they act after the exiles are upset to either soothe them or to distract from them. So any activity that can get you away from the exile might be sleep, might be shopping, work, sex, might be your diet or your exercise, the computer, video games, um, social media. This is typically addictions, binge eating, suicidality. This is straight out of his book. 
and, and adapted from, again, Richard Schwartz. But he has this list. Addictions, binge eating, suicidality, self-harm, violence, dissociation, distraction, obsession, compulsion, fantasy. So addiction is the one we're looking at. When an exile pops up and you are triggered by something, your wife says something mean to you, she doesn't sleep with you one night because maybe she's tired, maybe she's just, you know, maybe she found out about your addiction and has stopped sleeping with you for a little while. We think there's a biological need for us to have sex and because we're not getting it, we're running to porn to meet the biological need. That's actually not true. Sex is not a biological need. What's happening is internally and emotionally, you are feeling very rejected and rejectable. Your wife is rejecting you sexually, which is one of the most intimate parts of yourself. She's rejecting you and getting to know you, or at least that's what it feels like to your internal self. So when you get rejected, when you start feeling lonely and you start feeling rejected and you start, these start bringing up these core negative beliefs surrounding yourself, I'm worthy of rejection, I'll never be loved, I'm a bad person, or maybe on the, maybe on the, um, victim side of things, my wife doesn't love me. No one loves me. Everyone will always reject me. Everyone will always leave. There may be those thoughts. That is part of the exile acting out. It's part of the exile saying, hey, you're feeling very lonely. You're feeling very rejected. And it starts to make its way. It kind of comes into your internal house, so to speak. You've kept it on the outside. You've shut the blinds and, and locked the door, but it burst its way through. I don't want to feel lonely. I don't want to feel like I'm rejected because that goes back to something maybe your parents did or maybe it happened to in some other way. And so what your wife just did in refusing to sleep with you or maybe in saying that mean thing that she said, it is triggering a trauma capsule back to a time when you were a kid and you felt very rejected and felt very lonely and felt like nobody cared about you. Well, cue the firefighter, right? That's the exile bursting into the room. The firefighter comes in and says, get out. I'm going to put out that fire. I'm going to soothe or distract you the, to keep you from having to feel the exiles, to feel the pain. So the addiction is really just a protective mechanism to keep you from feeling the real pain at the core of this, which is the exile. So in that way, the addict or the addiction, the addict inside of you, that part of you, is kind of trying to be your friend. It's trying to help you. It's trying to keep you out of pain. Most of us, if you've been in this addiction, most of us hate the addict. We cannot stand the addict part of ourselves. He's threatening. He's mean. He is. He shows up at the worst times. He has caused us to lose so much in our lives. He's the part that we feel the most shame about, and we hate the addict. But the addict is merely a firefighter. He's not the problem. He's trying to get you away from the problems. He's trying to protect the system. Then you have managers. And the managers are also protectors of the system, but they attempt to keep the person in control of every single situation and relationship so as to protect themselves from feeling the exiles. This happens, this works before the exile. So what is it that keeps the door closed, the internal, your family door, right, your home, that keeps the exiles on the outside? It's the managers. They're the ones that close the door. That may be the perfectionist. That may be the actor. That may be the Mr. Nice Guy. Everybody loves Mr. Nice Guy, and when everybody loves you, you don't ever have to deal with you feeling rejectable, right? So you'll go out of your way to be nice to everyone because that's what gets me love. That's what causes me to feel like I'm somebody not worthy of rejection. And I'm terrified to think that if somebody does reject me, what might happen? 
So I'm going to be nice to everybody or I'm going to act and make sure everybody feels comfortable around me. I'll be all things to all men, so to speak. You may be the perfectionist who is is goes above and beyond to make sure that you're not left behind, to make sure you're not having to feel shame because I will work my way out of this. You may be the critic. It, it, there may be a critic and the critic is what kind of, it's mean to you, right? But the critic tells you, hey, you're fat. Hey, you're ugly. Hey, you're this. Because it's trying to keep you from having to deal with the real pain involved. If I can cause some pain and keep you distracted, you never have to deal with the exile, with the real emotion underneath. There may be the planner. If I plan everything out and make sure that I'm never surrounded by people who are negative, we see this a lot in today's culture. If I never have to come into contact with anybody who's negative, anybody who's mean to me, well, then I'm golden. I'm perfectly fine. I, I, I feel good. The problem is that's not realistic. You'll always be around people who are potentially triggering. But the planner or the, you know, these different parts, the controller, the one who wants to control every situation, is a manager that tries to keep you from feeling the exiles. And once again, when the exiles act up is when the firefighters come out and they kick the exile out of the house. What we do in addictions work is we bring the exile into the house and we see what part stands up first. We consciously bring them into the house. We, instead of waiting for a trigger, a trauma capsule to be triggered, somebody to say something or do something or a specific situation, right? I'm home alone. Well, when I'm home alone, I start getting aroused and I really want to act out. Well, it's because when you're home alone, you're lonely. Nobody's around. And you learn from a very young age when nobody is around, I self-pleasured myself so as to deal with the emotions of being alone. That was my escape, right? My escape time. So we think it's just, we're just, you know, sneaky little jerks that get out of there and, you know, as soon as somebody leaves the house. And so we have a very negative viewpoint. But in reality, you have a hurting kid inside of you who just doesn't want to feel alone. And instead of feeling alone, instead of feeling the shame that is threatening to crush him, well, then you'll act out, right, to keep yourself from that. So we invite the exile in and we say, all right, shame, what do I need, what do you need to say to me? And usually when we visualize this, I have somebody close their eyes and I say, we bring shame in and I'll say, what's going on? And they say, you know, what part stands up? Oh, the critic stands up. And... The critic is just, what are you doing here? You have no business being here. We hate you. Get out. You're going to ruin everything, right? Or maybe it's the Mr. Nice Guy stands up and says, you know, I know we need to be nice to him, but I'm just really uncomfortable. I just don't know what to do, right? And we kind of freeze in that moment. We need to know which part starts speaking, and then we need to speak to the exile. We need to speak to that emotion. We need to ask ourselves, all right, shame, what are you trying to tell me? Shame has been trying to tell you something for a long time. You just haven't ever let it into the house. And anytime it busts its way in, you run to your addiction so as to not hear what's needed to be heard. This is the beauty of IFS. It helps us to hear the parts that have been activated for so long that we have pushed down and we tried to keep under wraps the entire time. It's time we stop keeping them under wraps and we start talking to them. We start being there for them and we start connecting with all of these, the this, this self, the eight C's, right? The calmness and the curiosity and the compassion and connectedness and confidence and creativity and courage and clarity. We connect with those parts of ourselves. And so we get curious about what's going on. And we, we give ourselves compassion, fully realizing that the addict is attempting to protect. He's attempting to to be kind to the system. And so what we actually do is usually we'll have, I'll have you write a letter to your addict self. And part of that letter needs to be thanking the addict for trying to help. 
It's trying to keep you from having to deal with the traumas of your past. Don't hate the addict. It has it has hurt you in so many ways, but it's kind of like, you know, we may have friends trying to, to help you feel like life is okay. And in attempting to help you feel like life is okay, they make your life infinitely worse. They go tell somebody, you know, I'm going to go stand up for you at work, and they end up getting you fired. Like, I really appreciate the sentiment, but that that hurt, that wasn't good, that actually set me back. It's the same thing here. You're appreciative of the friend trying to help. It just didn't help. We need to be appreciative of the addict trying to help, but recognize, addict, I need you to move out of the way. I need to speak to the other parts. I need to speak to the exiles and start talking to these parts that I haven't wanted to talk to in a long time. So this is a very basic understanding of internal family systems. Each person individually has parts that that activate and that have have things to say. Um, When we get into it, it's very interesting. The rage monster, the victimization, right? King baby. There may be the once again, the perfectionist, and there may be, to swing the pendulum, the the freedom fighter, the freedom chaser, the one that just, the rebel, wants to run from everything there. So that rebel can be part of your way of escaping. And is the rebel a firefighter or is the rebel a manager to keep you from having to deal with it? So we start wrestling with these questions, but all of it is intended to help you understand yourself more. So we do this on the back end of understanding the emotions because the emotions are the exiles from trauma that happened when you were a kid or traumatic experiences or these negative emotional experiences. If you don't want to call it trauma, sure, that's fine. You had some negative emotional experience that hurt, that didn't feel good. Well, what is it, right? Let's start talking to these parts and getting them back online. And instead of waiting for them to be activated by a trauma trigger, let's go straight to the heart and say, what do you need to hear? What do I need to hear from them? And what do they need to hear from me? And maybe that shame just needs a hug and needs to be accepted needs to know you don't need to be shameful. There's nothing to be shameful for. Maybe that loneliness just just needs somebody to needs you to just listen to it for a second so it stops being so stinking lonely. We begin to give ourselves that. So, like I said, each person is different in therapy, but this has broad usage for all sorts of things. You can use this for anorexia, you can use this for self-harm, which kind of is anorexia, you can use this for addictions, you can use this for anxiety, you can use this for depression, you can use this for a lack of motivation, you can use this for all sorts of things and understand what parts are speaking. Get acquainted with your parts. Start to understand what parts are inside of you, what parts are speaking and and maybe not speaking, more importantly. And then we can begin to work through that. So once again, if you have questions, as always, feel free to reach out to me, Joe Wilkie Counseling, W-I-L-K-I-E on the name, Joe Wilkie Counseling at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to talk with you. I'm fascinated by this. I hope you are as well. It's very interesting. But of course, we bring this in with some other things as well. Um, No Bad Parts is the book by Richard Schwartz. If you're, again, interested in reading more, I would check that book out. That's kind of the the key one, the main one that you'd want to get. But anyway, that's going to wrap up this episode. I have yet to decide what I'm going to discuss the next episode, but we're going to, we may start looking more toward the attachment area and getting into that in the next episode or two or three um, and going from there. So I hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving and I will talk to you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening.